This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Tonight we are learning Le Ilunishmat Avraham ben Chaim Yehuda and Yechaskel ben Avraham. We are also learning for this name is that is that Leilunishmas or or the Four Shlema. Okay, whatever that name is, uh, Michal ben Yitzchak. And oh, Lilu Nishma Michal Ben Yitzhak and Ariel Chai Ben Eliezer. Okay, so. Uh, Rabbi, may I add a name? Please. Um, for my mother, also, uh, Harriet. Harriet Bad Lillian of Washlema. Thank you. Can I have an also? Yes. Um, it's my cousin Diarte. It's Fuad Rafael Ben Rina Rita. Fuad Rafael Ben Rina Rita? Yes. Lilu Nishma. Actually, that name sounds, sounds familiar. We, we mentioned that name before, right? Yeah, yeah, we did it last Mm-hmm. Okay, so so let us begin. So so we're going back. We, we we spoke about like we had this Amuna series way back when that we started it, and then uh, we throughout the Amuna series we went in through a gratitude series, and then through that gratitude series we went through the un, ungratefulness series. So we're closing up tonight, Bezat Hashem, the ungratefulness aspect of of it, and and really the goal is to figure out. How to take the, that ungratefulness and turn it into gratitude or gratefulness. And we'll see really this has such a big issue out that, that can come out from this, from this thing. But before we begin to that, I want to share with you, um, a few secular, secular, um, signs of an ungrateful person. So, uh, being that, you know, whenever, whatever topic I speak about, I like to do, I like to do other, um, I like to do research. Let's just leave it at that on the topics that I speak about. And I came across a bunch of articles on, from, from psychologists, from like different, uh, people from, from different backgrounds. And I wanted to share with you some ideas of signs that an ungrateful person has. And I'll soon share with you re- the reasons why I'm sharing you the, these signs. So I want to go through nine different signs that someone who is ungrateful has these character traits. Number one is someone who is ungrateful is never satisfied. Like even when things are going well, they never seem to be happy. They're always, you know, it's always good to have goals and it's always good to have, you know, uh, you know, aspirations of what you want to achieve. But what ha- when the second that they get something, they're already onto the next step. While it is ambitious, but you don't appreciate what you have. So, so you don't spend a, a minute or, or, or a second or a day to just appreciate where you're holding right now. And that is so, 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 so important. So, 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 so important that unfortunately, uh, we, we, we skip through that. But the, the negative side of this is that you'll never be satisfied. You can't be a successful person and never be satisfied. You might have outside success, but internal success you'll never have. You won't be, you look at two different people of, 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 let's say one is not as successful on the outside, whether it is relationships or whether it is uh, panasa, whether it's whatever it is. And then you look at somebody else who has all the outside success, but you look at them in the internal, the emotions, the psychological well-being, and one of them is content, is happy, is satisfied, and the other one is not satisfied. And if you put them on a scale and you look at them, so the person that looks like they're succeeded in life is a person that achieved a lot. But in essence, the person that really succeeded in life is the person that unfortunately didn't achieve that much, but it has that inner peace, that inner tranquility, that, that satisfaction that the other person is craving and is trying to achieve by chasing the next thing and the next thing and the thing after that, but they never stop for a second to, to appreciate what they received right then and there, where they're holding right then and there in their life. 
So while we very, very often focus on outside success, we tend to forget about the internal success. And an internal success is satisfaction. Somebody who has ungratefulness is in, is an ingrate, is someone who cannot, uh, you know, have any gratitude. That person is never satisfied. That's number one. That's a sign number one. Sign number two is these types of people are usually filled with envy, with uh, jealousy, that even if they have good things in their life, they're always comparing it to the other person. And they're always comparing it, and, and that consumes them with, with this envy. They'll be like, okay, wait a minute, even though I received this, but you know, I, I, you know, I, didn't, I wasn't able to achieve to the next level. I wasn't able to achieve to the level after that where my neighbor, my friend, my coworker, my boss, my partner, my, uh, you know, my competitor, everybody else has something else that they don't have, and they're always looking on, on what the other person has, and hence they, uh, they have this, this sense of, of envy. Number three is a big one. Oh, number three is that, and this is something that I've seen like on lists. I've searched many, many lists on these things, on, on research on these things. And this comes very, very commonly across it is that they are bitter, bitter, bitter people. I don't know if you've ever realized this, but sometimes you have people that are, I don't know what the nice way to say it is. There really isn't a nice way to say it, but like, Disgusting, I guess is the right word, uh, you know, to say it. Where, you know, like you, you could, sometimes people are able to put on an act and, uh, you know, like Baruch Hashem, uh, you know, like Akadish Brocho has given me, you know, uh, you know, like a few things that I am, ex- well, no, let me re- rephrase that. I'm very grateful for everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given me, but, but some things I know HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given me certain, uh, you know, abilities to do certain things. And, you know, let's say, for example, in, in dealing with people and reading people, and sometimes you, you speak to somebody and they're smiling at you and they're telling you great things, but you know deep down that they feel very, very differently about what they're saying. Meanwhile, the outside is a smile, but the inside is burning just exactly the opposite. They'll talk nicely to you, but the second that you turn around, they're talking bad about you, like, you know, whatever it is behind your back or, or, or spreading rumors or things like that. The, the, this, like, different idea, another example is, let's say, someone who's passive-aggressive. Like, you know, like, they, they sneak in the attack of what they, um, two-faced, thank you. Like, like they have two different, you know, uh, you know uh, um, presentations of what they say. When they look at you, they're very nice, smiling, and happy. But when you turn your back, they're bitter, they're disgusting. The essence of, uh, of it is, is what? Is that they're a bitter person. They don't want you to realize that or they're too embarrassed about that, or they don't want to deal with the headaches that come with that. So what they'll say is, is they'll, they'll pretend to be happy, but behind your back, you'll go and uh, um, and they'll they'll do whatever it is that they they are they are doing in the in the negative fashion. So the the kicker, well, it's really a kicker for them is that is that many times they think that they're fooling everybody. But it's not just me. Many people are able to pick up on these things. You're able to like pick up like something is off over there. And if you speak to enough people, you're able to pick up, okay, like a few signs and be like, okay, this, this, this is not making sense over here. There's something else that's going on in the background. And really what they're saying is not so honest and not so true. Now, again, you, you, we can't judge these type of people because we don't know what they've, the difficulties that they've been through. And we don't know what, what the, the, the hardships that they went. But the, the, the matter, the, the fact is, is that when someone presents that type of, of character traits, it's a bitter character trait. They're not happy inside. They're going through whatever it is that they're going through and it results in different uh, outcomes that can or cannot affect other people and other relationships uh, that they are that they are having. So the third the third thing on this list over here is that it's um, it's 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 this bitterness of of like just just unhappiness that can spell out in so many different ways. 
The fourth thing is that they,、uh, people that are ungrateful have a major sense of entitlement. They feel the reason why they're ungrateful is like, what do you mean you? Yeah, I deserve. Like you have to give this to me. Like it's sort of, and and it could come from a very, you know, like like an emotionally difficult place. For meaning, for example, that you have people、uh, that went through a lot of trauma, and they feel that they're entitled to certain things. Like the world has to give them a lot. People have to give them a lot because of all the pain that they went through. And I'm not saying that the world shouldn't give them. And and of course we have to support people that have been through difficult times and difficult traumas and whatever it is that they went through in their life. But the sense of entitlement doesn't allow them to appreciate. Because you need to do this for me, you you know you know what I went through. It's like you you I deserve this. So of course they can have gratitude if they this is already coming to them and this is what they're deserving. Number five is that、uh, people that are ungrateful don't they don't give you time unless they need something from you. This is something like, and I've I've had this quite a few times where I've had people talk to me. It's more, not really talk to me; it's more ask me to do certain things. And when I wasn't willing, or I didn't feel it was appropriate, or whatever it was for a different reason, I didn't.、Uh, um, I you know they saw that they weren't getting through it. More than once, they would just stop the conversation, like admit, and just like walk away. Like I had even one person that I was speaking to, and this to this day I can't understand it because like it's like an Erlicha person, like it davens real well. It's like a, I don't know, started a business, and we were talking, and he wanted me to send him some some business his way. He thought that I would be able to do it. I wasn't able to do it for whatever reasons. And then, like mid conversation, he like waves me off. He's like, "Ugh," you know, and he just like walks off. And I was like, "Wait, what just happened?" <laughs> you know, like I'm like, I don't mind it because like I just you know saved a lot of you know that extra few minutes of like the you know the nonsense talk where you're like you realize like this conversation is not going anywhere. But like, alrighty, you already went so far in, you can't just walk away. This guy was like straightforward. He's like, "Ugh, whatever," and just like completely walked off.、Um, so, but but. What what is that that stems from? That stems from the fact that if you're not giving me what I need, then I don't need you. So why do I waste time with you? It's it's a little bit of a personality,、uh, you know, issue、uh, to be honest. But it all stems from the same uh, from the same uh, from the same origin. Number six is that ungrateful people tend to be negative and critical. They find fault with others, or they can be negative and critical even about themselves.、Uh, um, but it's more—it's more this negative、uh, personality. Number seven is that they blame other people for their problem, meaning instead. Of going and accepting that you did something wrong, it, it's not me; it's somebody else. This is also under the umbrella. A lot of these are under the same umbrellas of entitlement or different things. But it's it's sort of something like like I can't do something wrong; it's somebody else. You ever had you know deal with people like the the initial like let's say something happened, they're like I'm sorry, but the reason that I did that, they'll apologize. But it always comes with an explanation of why it's not really my fault. It was the situation that warranted it, and that's why it's not really my fault. It's sort of like putting over there. Like they can't even take the blame on themselves. They have to put their blame on somebody else. Like they'll apologize sometimes, but they'll put the blame on somebody else. Like it's not really my fault. I'm a great person, but but but. The eighth thing on the list is、uh, they have a、uh, ungrateful people. Not all of them. Again, these are not all. Some some people that are ungrateful can have only one of these things. Some of them can have zero of these things. This is just a common、uh, common list.、Uh, they would have a a, a victim mentality. Meaning,、um, you know, and this is the idea of of the the trauma that that goes. So they have a victim mentality. So what happens is, is that is that why should I thank you? Like this is under the same umbrella of like you know, like if you know what I've went through, like I deserve this. Again, this is on the same umbrella of of、uh, 
Entitlement. The ninth one is where someone who is ungrateful always thinks other people are also ungrateful. Like when the Yidin, when the Jewish people were in Mitzrayim in Egypt, the the Egyptian, the the you know Pharaoh went and he said he's he's like wait a minute these Jewish people they're gonna overtake us. They have so many of us. They're over, going to overtake us, and it's good. they're going to take over the entire Egypt. So let us go. And that's why you know Pharaoh decided that he is going to go and and sort of make a holocaust to prevent the overtake of the Jewish people. Well, in reality, the Jewish people would have never done that because it even says in the in the in the Torah. It says in, in Devarim chapter twenty-three, verse eight. It says, "You're not allowed to despise an Egyptian. You you are you know you are a guest in his land." Meaning that. We would have never, you know, gone to that. We have, we're grateful people. Jewish people need to be grateful people. It's who we are and in our essence. Yehudim, it comes from Yehuda being grateful. That's, that's our name. That's our essence. Our essence is gratitude. So, the problem that an ingrate has is that he thinks everybody else is the same way as him. And that's why, by the way, I just put a little bit of a bit of information out here, and I think that is extremely important. That many of us, whenever we're dealing with a certain issue with a relationship or with somebody else, we always think that the other person is responding the way we would respond. Meaning, if let's say you go and you hurt somebody, or you said something and you think about it, be like, you know what? Nah, that that wouldn't offend them. That why? Because you're thinking about it. If that would have said to me, I wouldn't be bothered by it. And that's what you're thinking, but in essence, like, you can't compare that to. If everybody handles a situation differently, and, and I'll give you a good example. An example is, let's say, for people who, uh, hurt somebody else and they want to apologize. For one person, you know, they want an apology. They'd be like, okay, just say I'm sorry, and blah, 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 I'm done. Just, just, you know, we're good. Another person needs you to elaborate on the apology, and they need to go, to go and, and to go and say, oh, okay, fine, I'm so sorry, I really shouldn't have done it. You know, and elaborate, and that makes them feel better. Now, when you apologize, you're thinking, okay, I'm gonna apologize the way that I feel I want to be apologized too. But really, in essence, if you are somebody else, you have to appease them the way that they would, they would have the need to appease, of course, under the normal umbrella circumstances. So, this is very important that we, we tend to see other people the way that we see ourselves. An ingrate looks at other people and think they're also going to be ungrateful. And if they're also ungrateful, so they're going to overcome it, they're going to overtake Egypt. But in essence, the Jewish people are grateful and they would have never even came to that. So these are the nine things that I took out from different, uh, um, you know, different research. And the reason why I wanted to bring this up before we begin, uh, you know, the class is that how many of us listen to all these things and be like, you know what, that's really bad. Yeah, like that, that's like, you know, somebody who is entitled, that's such a bad, you know, character trait. Somebody who has, and, and we go through all these things and it sounds not good. It sounds really bad. And we tend to think of this as like really bad, but we never for a second, usually, most people don't for a second be like, wait a minute. I think I'm on that list. I think I have one or two of those things on the list. We don't see it that way. We see it like, I know who, who needs to listen to this. I know who really needs to have this, has issues number one, three, and five. Those, I know somebody who has to really work on them for that. The reason for this list is that to show you how, how, how powerful ungratefulness is and how destructive it is. But not only that, to stop for a second and realize that every single one of us, without exception, has some sort of ungratefulness that we could improve on or the other way, could work on it to fix on. We, everybody has something that we could, ta- you know, we could, we could improve over here. It's not just something for like, you know, like certain topics that you, you know, you give a class on. It could be very, very particular.
But there are certain topics that affect everyone. Everybody has to it can be improved when it comes to midos, when it comes to emuna, when it comes to certain things, when it comes to tefillah. Everybody can improve in that. There's never a time where you can say, I am good in this area. You have to always work and you have to always improve. And this topic is, is one of those things. And I think that this is so important, um, uh, so power, so, so imperative for your well-being and for the relationships that you will have had and will, and, and currently have is, it, it, this is the found, not the foundation, but it's like, it's so strong. It's like close to the foundation. So I want to share with you something. From Rabbi David Asher, um, uh, on uh, on being grateful for the difficulties, because in essence, most people are ungrateful, really in areas where they don't see the need to be grateful for. So we're going to go to the extreme, and we're going to go to the difficulties. You know, the Torah tells us that you have to, you know, you have to thank a kaddish baruch for the bad, just like you thank a kaddish baruch for the good. And granted, that's a very, very difficult, you know, thing to do. But that's that's a, uh, that that's like the far extreme of like like gratitude of being grateful for something of your difficulties. And I want to share with you a few things on the power that if you're able to be grateful on difficulties, you'll see the power and the salvations that that come out from it. So the Sefer Mitzvah Gedolos, Mitzvah 17, goes and says that it's a positive commandment. It's a mitzvah say to accept the way that Hashem deals with us. If a person would go and say that, you know, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's difficult for me. You send me a test that's very difficult. I don't know why this is happening. I don't understand why this is happening. But Hashem, I trust you. I know what you're doing is for the best. And this is the way that you want it to be. This is exactly how you want it to be. So I'll accept it and I'll continue my life, you know, happily. That is a person who does that. That's, he's fulfilling a positive mitzvah. The Maram Chagiz goes, and says that not only is it, you know, he says it's another mitzvah. He says, fulfilling a positive commandment of a nigdashti b'seich b'nei Yisrael in the Pasuk and Vayikra, chapter 22, verse 32, in Leviticus, chapter 30, 22, verse 32, it says, Yisrael, that I, you should sanctify the, the, the name of, of, uh, of, you know, of a Baruch Hu, meaning it's a Kiddush Hashem. When somebody goes and accepts the, the will, of Hashem, meaning that you're in a difficult situation, and you say, "Hakadosh Baruch Hu, you put me in this situation. I accept it." That in itself, you're you're glorifying God's name. That's a kiddush Hashem. The Chazal Dog goes and tells us that a person who goes and accepts these hardships with love, they cleanse him from his sins. Do we understand what that is? Like, you know, there's so many people that try to look for different atonements, different kaparot, different things, you know, that they want to fix, the tshuva that they want to do. When, listen to this. If somebody goes and accepts hardships, the difficulties that HaKadosh Baruch has, and again, a difficulty could be you're tired. A difficulty could be the smallest thing. It doesn't have to be like the craziest thing that you have ever had. You have to get up and go to work and you're not interested in going to work. You want to go to the beach and you want to sit down and relax with a Mai Tai and a little umbrella and under the, you know, between two coconut trees sitting over there and enjoying the you know you know life paradise or is what the secular world would say and you're going and you have to and you're going through difficulties you say you know what you put me over here this is where I need to be I accept it and I accept it with happiness that itself has the ability to go and cleanse you from your from your sins the Gemara Brachas goes and says that if a person accepts this suffering with love he will merit listen to these blessings many children a longer life, and not only that, he will have the, the person will have extra help in the spiritual growth and the Torah learning. The Gemara in Tainus, page 8a, goes and says 
that if a person is happy with what Hashem does to him, it's so powerful that it brings salvation to the entire world. Not just to one person. The power of being grateful for whatever happens to you has the power to bring salvation to the entire world. We, we think we, we could be at our home in you know, our pajamas, and we have the ability to affect the entire world. We even begin, we don't realize how powerful our mindset is. The Menarism R goes and says that it will bring him salvation from his current problem, meaning that you have an issue, and if you're able to accept that with gratitude and happiness, that has the power to bring you the salvation, the Yeshua that you need from this current issue that you have. Rabbeinu Yonah writes all furthermore in Shari Tshuva, in the fourth Shar. That if a person accepts the difficulties that Hashem brings upon him, it will save him from all other potential difficulties that were meant to befall him. Meaning that things that didn't even happen to him, but things that were supposed to happen to him, but because he accepted out of love right now, that's going to be prevented. Meaning that it has the ability to prevent what other suffering would have, were intended to accomplish. You could prevent so much problems from you. It's crazy the power of this. The Tanah Tevei Aliyah goes and says that if a person not only accepts the what they're going through, but he thanks and praises Hashem, again, going from the angle of gratitude, when a person thanks and praises Hashem from this, he will go and have his panasa, his, his livelihood doubled. We all love this one, right? Everybody, when it comes to one of the most listened to classes are things of skulot for panasa, skulot for the, these are the things that we're looking for. When a person says a tandavelio, if you, someone goes and accepts with happiness and with praises Hashem and thanks Hashem for everything that Hashem does for him, that doubles your, 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 your livelihood. So look at these. This is amazing. We went through nine things now. I want to give you a, a very quick recap because I think it's very important to show you the power of when you're going through something difficult. Now again, we, we don't ask Hashem for the difficulties, but whatever difficulties that Hashem will send us, if we have the right mindset, it could bring us so many salvations. It could bring us so many, so many Yeshuaat. Listen to this. It, number one, it will save a person from the current problem. Number two, it will protect him from the from, from future problems or other problems. Number three, it's going to cleanse him or her from their sins. Number four, it'll bring blessing to themselves and to their family. It'll bring them out. Five is a longer life. Six, it'll help them with their Torah learning. Seven, it'll bring salvation to the entire world. Eight, it will receive credit for fulfilling two positive commandments. And nine, the Parnassah will be double. Look at the benefits that comes from all these, from all this gratitude. So, uh, there's a few questions that came in, and I'm going to answer it at the end. So, but any questions that you guys have, send it as, as the class goes, and I'll Hashem, go through it at the end. There was uh, one winter, Rabbi, <coughs> Rabbi Menachem Mendel from Mirmanov wanted to travel somewhere, but he couldn't afford the transportation. So what he decided to do, he hired himself out to be the wagon driver's assistant. He's going to help the wagon driver, and this way he'll be able to get the ride, a free ride, and he'll work along the way. So uh, his, his job was to tend to the horses, and when the wagon driver had to stop over for the night at to, to sleep and eat at the local inn, the, you know, the rabbi had to watch the horses outside, and it was really cold outside, and it was freezing, and he was really hungry, he you know, didn't eat quite some time, and he was sitting over there, and he was thinking, like, how am I going to warm myself up? So what he decided to start doing, he started jumping up and down. He decided that he's going to go, and he's going to warm himself up by doing some sort of uh, you know, movement. 
and uh, he he went and he started he started doing you know like these jumping up and down. This just reminds me of like a side story. My I don't know my brother he's gonna <laughs> want me to share the story or not. But my brother one time was when is in Israel and he had um, he was in a, he had to sleep in a dorm. He was learning in Mir Yeshiva. And he was sleeping in somewhere that uh, he went up for like a Shabbos somewhere, and uh, there was no there was no heat. Um, it was I think Moitzah Shabbos or Thursday night or something. There was no heat, and he was freezing. So how did he warm himself up? So in the middle of the night, he's sitting over there and he's doing push-ups to try to warm himself up, and then he tries to fall asleep. And he got it was too cold. So he got up and had to do some more push-ups and went back and tried to go fall asleep. But you know, you go and you move around a little bit. It warms your body up a little bit, and this way you, you, the blood flows. And you won't uh, you won't freeze. So so Menachem Edelverinov was just jumping up and down and he's jumping up and down in the cold winter night and he's starving and he's like thinking he's like wait a minute he says I'm jumping up and down already he says why not let me utilize this opportunity to thank Hashem and he starts jumping up and down and he starts thinking and he's like becoming this in the euphoric straight he's thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu and, and uh, um, he's jumping around thanking HaKadosh Baruch Hu and he goes uh, and somebody comes out of this inn and he looks at this you know this person who looks like a rabbi and he's jumping up and down outside in the cold. And the guy's like, what are you doing? Like, what's going on? Uh, you know, like, w- w- what's up? And he goes and he says, you know, like, I'm thanking God. He's like, what do you thank God for? And he's like, I'm thanking God. What do you mean? He's like, I'm, he's jumping up and down. And he's like, I'm thanking God that I have the ability to move. You know, there are some people that don't have the ability to move. And I have the ability to move. I'm thanking God that I have the ability to feel hunger pains. You know, there are people that can't feel hunger pains. There are people that sit in the hospital that there's on so many medications that they can't, they don't have an appetite. They have to be fed through intravenously, through IV, and they don't have the ability to do so much that we have the ability to do. So yes, he's going through suffering. And yes, he's cold. And yes, he's suffering. But he's jumping up and down of joy that I have these difficulties because at least I have these difficulties and I don't have something a lot worse. This man heard what the rabbi was saying. He was so greatly inspired. He hired some young boys to go and watch the horses and he paid for the rabbi to sleep in the inn and enjoy a nice uh, hot meal. And here, you know, Rabbi Nachman Mendel over here, he reached, you know, the, like the, such a high level of appreciation. And Akadish Baruch Hu, like the problem that he was, do, that he was going through, Akadish Baruch Hu sent him the salvation. There was a woman who uh, unfortunately has been childless for many, many, many years. And she went over to the rabbi and says, you know, like, can you give me advice? Like, what am I supposed to do? So the rabbi looks at, you know, and, and says, did you ever thank God for not having children? And the woman looks at him and says, excuse me, like, what? Like, thank, like, the most thing that I want in this world is a child. You know, like, why would I thank God for not giving me the children? And the rabbi said, it says, you know, we believe that whatever happened to us until this day was done by Hashem and it was done for our best interest. If you have a Muna and you have a and you realize that Akadish Baruch Hu put you in this situation. And he put you in this situation because this is the best thing that's for you. Did you stop for a second and thank him that he was doing the best for you? And, you know, she took that to heart. And, you know, she spent time every single day thanking Hashem for what he did, for the fact that she didn't have any children. The schus of what she was doing was so great that within the year, this woman is holding her own baby in her, in her arms. She was over 10 years without children. She spent time contemplating. You know, it's not, it's very easy to think of You know, like, but sometimes you contemplate, be like, no, no, no. You know, like, like she really, really felt the thankfulness and the gratitude to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that brought her so much salvation. When someone's going through hardship, they have, Two options. You can either sulk about the problem, complaining, it's unfair, 
or how Israelis say Zelofel. You know, like you can say, like, well, why? You know, like, you know, like, and what would that do? That would only add more misery, more negativity to the person and to and, and you know to your mindset. Or on the other hand, you could strengthen yourself. Again, this is not easy, but you can strengthen yourself and trust that if I could just Baruch Hu send this our way, it's the best thing that can be and and is for us. And by utilizing that method, it's a win-win situation. Number one, you'll feel better. Number two, you'll amass amazing spiritual blessing. Number three, you'll also have the ability to go and, and get out of your current situation, of your current problem. Now, when you go and you look and you want to try to work on yourself and you say, okay, fine, so I understand that I have to thank HaKadosh Baruch for the bad. The way that you really get to that is in, in really order, in order to be grateful for the bad, you really have to be grateful for the good also. And I want to share with you a little bit on just like uh, two ideas on how we're supposed to, to, to what level we're supposed to be, um, grateful in, uh, you know, in the good. The Gemara, the Pasuk in Bereshis, in Genesis chapter 24 verse 52. And it speaks about uh, Eliezer, Avram's servant. So Avram goes and sends his servant Eliezer to go to find a wife for his son Yitzchak. So he goes over, uh, you know, to, to love and Besuel, and he goes and he tries to find a wife. And he finds, he finally, his mission was successful. And he found a wife for Yitzchak. He found Rivka. And then the, the Pasuk goes and says, Vahikasher Shama Eved Avram as Divrehem. When he heard their, their, their words that they accepted, and they are going to be willing to, you know, for, for the Shidda, for the match, then what did Eliezer do? Bishtachavu Artsal Hashem. Eliezer bowed down to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Look at Rashi over there. Rashi over there says, Mikan Shemoidim Al Besura Taipa. From here we see, Says Rashi, from here in this part of the Torah, we see that we're supposed to be thankful for God for good things. Says the Be'er Parsha, ask a question, be like, why out of all the, all the, the scenarios in the Torah, the Torah chooses this story to teach us that we have to thank Hashem for the good news. So imagine you have a guy. Right? Let's say you have, yeah, you have a person, person one. And this person one has a daughter and that's trying to get married. And unfortunately, it's, it's just not working out. Like, she's dating and she's dating and it's just like, nothing, nothing is happening. And years go by and she doesn't find a shiduch. And finally, finally, after so many years of searching, of traveling, of going, of break, you know, all these, all the brokenness and the broken heart and heartaches and the terrible difficulties that she went through, she finally finds her zivu. She finally finds her, her chatan. And the, the, can you imagine the euphoria, the happiness that the family has? Like the miracle that the shidduch finally came about and how thankful they are to HaKadosh Baruch Hu for all that he did and he sent us this, this special boy, this special son-in-law, this special chatan. Now, look at scenario number two. Scenario number two is you have person number two, and this person also has a daughter. And this person's daughter, before she even reaches, you know, like, like she, she gets out of seminary, it's like she's even thinking about dating, and all of a sudden, so many shit of prospects, you know, come her way. And she decides, the family looks into it, she decides she's gonna go out with one boy, one particular boy. This boy, everything checks out 100% okay, everything is great, and within a few short weeks, she gets engaged to the first guy that she dated with had any difficulty, she didn't have to look for anything, they all came knocking to her door, and this is, you know, she, she found the perfect guy. Which scenario do you think you have to show more gratitude to? Towards, you have the person that spent years, years looking and finally the salvation came, or you look at the person that, that didn't even look and the salvation came. 
And the answer is very simple. For some, who are you going to be more grateful to HaKadosh Baruch for? For someone who you didn't even have to look for it, and it just came, it came so easily, that's what you have to be grateful for, that's what you have to be thankful for. But in essence, the truth of the matter is, it doesn't work that way. Where do we feel more gratitude? Is where a person went through a difficulty and then they came out. They went through a very hard time finding the Shidduch and then they finally found the Shidduch. Then they're going to feel happy and then they're going to feel that gratitude. But some of them want easy. Of course they'll feel happy. But the gratitude that they have is not going to be on that same level. It's we, we switched it. We switched it around. And the truth of the matter is that we have to be grateful for the easier things more than the difficult things. You know, if let's say you have some, and by the way, so this, this is why the Torah brings specifically the story of Eliezer. Eliezer, he was grateful for the good news. Why? It was an it happened so easily, so quickly. So the Torah says from here, you gotta learn that you have to be grateful for even the easy things. The difficult things, okay, you could come to that, but the Torah shows us gratitude. We're in the part where it comes so smooth, so easy. Eliezer just went out, first person, everything got checked off so easily. It says this is where we learn gratitude for, because this is where we have to realize this is the highest level of gratitude we have to have. When a person goes and has to, you know, get a job, and they get a job and it works easily and they're able to make a panasa, they're able to make a living. They might not be a billionaire, but they're able to pay the bills. That is something you have to be. You have to have this appreciation to Agadish Baruch Hu. There are many people that can't. They can't. They can't do that. You're in college. You're able to go and you're able to pass scores. You, there's so many people that are not in your situations. When things go relatively easy, you have to be very grateful, and we tend to forget about that. We, you know, you're you're healthy to a certain extent, right? Everybody has some issues, right? With a certain extent, you're healthy. You have to appreciate that. When do we appreciate? When do people make the kiddushim? They make the kiddushim, and rightfully so. Don't get me wrong. Is if let's say God forbid they were an accident and then they became better, that's when they make a kiddush. But in essence, is we should always be grateful to Hakadosh Baruch Hu, even when we didn't get sick and even when we didn't go through a difficulty, and we we have to be grateful because we didn't have to go through that difficulty. And that's why we learn gratitude from the simple. Straightforward, easy shiduch that was made with uh, with Aliyah, with uh, Yitzhak and Rivka. We look at another example. You look at Pidyon Aben. So Pidyon Aben is if let's say when when someone has a male child and they are not a Kohen or a Levi and they were naturally born from the mother's first pregnancy, they have to have a Pidyon Aben. They have to be redeemed by the father. Because of five you know shackles they have to be paid to a Kohen. Right? This is based off a pasuk in uh, Shemos chapter thirteen verse two. Right? You have to be you have to sanctify every firstborn that opens the womb, meaning that the Mitzvah of Pidyon Haben only comes, applies to a Bihar, a firstborn, and it has to be the one that opens the womb, meaning that if there was from, if the, if this woman had, a, a, you know, from a previous husband, she, she, she had children, there's no Pidyon Haben. If let's say it was delivered through, uh, you know, C-section, there's no Pidyon Haben. There's like very, very specific character traits, uh, not character traits, very specific, you know, circumstances where you would have to do a Pidyon Haben. And, you know, the, the question is, why is it like it should be like every firstborn? It doesn't matter. Like, let it be a pidyon aben. And the answer is, the reason is, is that people, unfortunately, take life for granted when things go smoothly. When things go smoothly, we just, we just, we, you know, like it's everybody, me included. Like, we just take things, we just take things for granted. And when you have, let's say, a couple that get married and Baal Hashem, they, you know, she gets pregnant easily. And then she gives birth naturally. And everything works well and works smooth. 
you tend to think, well, you know, that's the way that it's supposed to be. That's the way that life is supposed to be. When childbirth comes with difficulties, then, you know, the husband and wife, everybody all comes together and they dive into Hashem and they do all the school and they do everything and then they realize everything's in Hashem's hands and then when marriage Hashem, when salvation comes, they come, they become, they're, they're so grateful and rightfully so. But the mitzvah of Pidyan Aben is specifically where on the surface it looks like it's the easy way, it's the way of the world. Like the woman got pregnant, the woman went and they had a natural birth and everything went smooth, everything went naturally and that's exactly when you're going to do a pinyin aben. When you think that things are naturally, when you think things are easily, just like the, the shidduch of Eliezer, that's where we're going to learn that you have to go and you have to be thankful to Hashem because this is the part of area that we tend to forget to thank Hashem. You know, you're, you're driving and God forbid you almost get into an accident and you say, wow, thank you Hashem that I, I missed that, that I didn't get an accident and I was able to drive, come home safely. And it's an amazing thing you should continue doing that. But how many times do we come home safely and we say, wow, thank you Hashem that I came home safely? We tend to only look at when the difficulties and what the Torah is telling us. You want to be grateful. You have to be grateful for them when the things look normal and things are going smoothly. So we're speaking about tonight about, about the topic of taking things that are difficulty, taking that ungratefulness where people tend to be ungrateful and changing that into gratefulness. The way that you start with that is you start with the things that you're supposed to be grateful for. The things that are obvious, that are smooth, that are easy, that are just, just come naturally. That's what you have to say thank you Hashem for. That's what you have to be thankful for. Life in general is pretty much a series of tests that we have to go through. And there are many things, many different ways of passing these tests. But each test is different. There are many tests that the outcome, the score, depends on how our reaction is going to be. Meaning that the test is not going to be what you're going to do, but rather how are you going to react. Look at Avraham Avinu, for example. Um, uh, The... The you know he Akedus Baruch tells him lachacha one of the tests right go out from from your land and Akedus Baruch said that you're going to go to a place you're going to have abundant blessing and what happens he goes out of his out of his hometown and he encounters a famine as soon as he arrives so the, what was the test the te- he's there already now right so the test is is whether Avram Avram Avinu is going to trust in Hashem and not question him and you look at you know another test that the Egyptians took away his wife Sarah Imenu and he brought her to power they brought her to power the what was Avram's reaction? Avram's re- the, the, the test was the reaction. Is he going to recognize that the Kaddish Baruch was in charge? The test was repeated again with Avimelech when Avimelech took Sarah. The te- many tests in our life, and this is where the Sefer Nehra Laragli goes and brings down, that many tests in our life is not the test of what are we going to do, but rather it is how are we going to react. And, and the Nehra that brings that on average you have a minimum of four to five times a day that you get tested in this area. Every single one of us. Yeah, something gets damaged. Like there's nothing that you can do. The, the, the test is how are you going to react? You lose something. You lose a sale. You do something. Someone annoys you, bothers you. The test is how are you going to react? We don't realize how important our mind is. We, 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 our mind works on like autopilot. Like, it's sort of like, we take the back seat, we space out, we do our own things, and our mind just like goes on autopilot, but we don't realize the power of our mindset. We don't realize on how many things depends on how we respond, how we react to different situations, different scenarios. And if you think about it, if you have four or five tests a day, over the course of a year, you're talking about thousands of tests. And if, over the course of a lifetime, you're talking about 
over a hundred thousand, you know, different, you know, tests in this area. You know, and if we really break it down, we could see that we get tested in this area so many times a day. Every challenge, every challenge that we have is there to help us grow, help us build us, help us get to the next level. And one of the best ways, or, or better yet, one of the easiest ways to pass a test is to realize that it is a test. And once we realize it is a test, then we're already all that step closer to passing that test. Because it's very, I shouldn't say very, it's easier to pass a test when you realize you're being tested. Uh, you know, and I don't want to, I don't want to go into all this. I, I don't have the time to go through it tonight. I, I spoke about this, this uh, story before, so I want to say just very briefly, just bring out the topic. There was a guy who wanted to join the very, very elite uh, secret services, the Mossad of, uh, you know, in, um, in Israel. And he had to go through very, the, the highest, the highest, the highest level, the highest caliber, um, the highest team. And they went through, they go through all these crazy, crazy tests. And, you know, one of the, all of a sudden, like, like I don't know, six months, seven months into these tests, he, uh, you know, he gets kidnapped. He, you know, the people break into his house, you know, they start screaming in Arabic and they bound him up and they tie him and they gag him and they put a, you know, thing over him and they, they bring him into their lair and they're going and they're, 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 you know, he's going through torture and they're interrogating him. I'm making this like very, very, you know, quick and brief because I spoke about this, this idea before and he's, he's about to break. He's like, they're like, do, they're pulling out fingernails. They're like brutally, brutally torturing him and he can't, he can't handle it anymore. And all of a sudden, he looks down and he looks at the boots that these Arabs are wearing and he realizes these are Mossad-issued boots. These are, you know, very specifically, these are Israeli-made boots that are made for specifically, like he's very familiar with these shoes. And all of a sudden, it clicks to him. He's like, this is part of the test. They want to see, because we're going to be, you know, the, this, this team is going to be, you know, in a very, very dangerous place with very dangerous people, and they'll have a very, very, a lot of very valuable information. They need to make sure, the Israeli government need to make sure that you're never going to break. Like, no matter what, you're not going to break. And all of a sudden, he realizes that this is a test. This is not Arabs. This is, you know, my, my Israeli, you know, you know, like partners over here, and they're just testing me over here. The second that he found that out, he was able to be so strong and he would he was not going to break at all because he realized that they will never kill him they will never take him he realized that all this is is just a test and the second that he realized it was a test he had the power to overcome it if we have the ability to realize in our life that our life is full of tests and we are full of different te- then we stop for a second and be like wait a minute like why should i lose my cool like why should i get upset why should i get this is just a test and granted it's easier said than done but if we think about this a few times a day, we realize, okay, wait a minute, like this Baruch is just sending me a test over here, and if this is a test, so like, okay, let me deal with it like it is a test. There was a guy who had a, uh, um, a sales meeting in, in Boston, and he was meeting with Staples, the, the, you know, the chain store, and he took this, this you know, five, six-hour drive to Boston to get to this meeting, and before he went, he realized, he says the you know, the... The buyers of TJ Maxx are also in the same area. So, like, let me try to get, you know, two meetings while I'm already there. And he called TJ Maxx, and they, they were just not available. So, he said, fine, you know, he's going to drive in for the Staples meeting. He drives in for the Staples meeting, 
And it, it was like, you know, like as soon as they walked in, he, he realized like they're not buying anything of his, of his merchandise. So like they're not interested in it. Within 10 minutes, the whole meeting was done. And the buyer's like, listen, sorry, this is like not for us. We're not interested in this product. And the guy, you know, who's, who drove all this fine, he was like, you know, like he said, you know, the story is like, he's like, generally I'm a, I'm a negative person. And, you know, like, but, you know, I stopped for a second and be like, you know what? I drove five hours. I lost a sale. I have to drive another five hours. So I lost a day. You know, like God wanted me here. All right. So if God wanted me here, so fine. I accept it. I needed to drive here for a reason. I don't know what the reason is, but I accept the reason. And, uh, you know, and I, I'm, I'm happy, Baruch Hashem, that I didn't get the staple sale. A few minutes go by. A few minutes go by and he gets a phone call. The TJ Maxx's buyer is called him up and says, listen, it says, it turns out we have some extra time today. Are you still around? And uh, if you're still around, are you interested in meeting? And he's like, yeah, I happen to be. I'm around. Mamish a few minutes later after he after he had this, you know, machshava, this, this thought process. And he goes and he meets with TJ Maxx and they buy out his entire line, his entire collection. His greatest gain was the reaction that he had, you know, to, to with with Emuna. Like we don't realize the power that it that that we have in our mindset. We all we always think it's all about actions, and it's true. It's very very heavily associated with actions in our life because that, that's at the end of the day that's how we interact. But we don't realize how powerful our mindset is and how powerful our machshavas are, our thought processes are. There was a captain of an airline, a pilot. His name was Captain Stein. And he was working for a pilot for 36 years. And he, uh, because he was working for, for so long, he was able to make his own schedule. So he always made sure to avoid flying on Shabbos and Yom Tovim, and he would work around the schedule. So a couple of years ago, he landed a plane in Belgium, and it was on a Thursday. And the plan was he was supposed to fly the plane back to New York early Friday morning because of the time you know zone switches he would have, he would have made it uh, he would have made it on uh, on time before Shabbos. However, there was an issue with the plane. There was a plane. There was a mechanical issue, and they rescheduled him to fly back on Shabbos. So the captain, you know, the pilot calls over the you know his supervisors and he's like, "Listen," he says, "I can't I can't fly. It's it's the Sabbath." And they look at him and they're like, well, you don't have a choice. He says, your contract states that every plane flown to a destination has to be flown back. Like, that's the way that it works. Pilots, you have to fly back. But he's like, listen, I'm Jewish. You know, like, I don't fly on the Sabbath. And they're like, I don't know what to tell you. So they kept, you know, like, he went up to, like, the supervisor had to say, okay, let's bump it up. He goes up to his supervisor. And they said, like, no, you have to fly the plane back. It's in the contract. And he refused. And finally, he had a union representative says, listen, he says, you're causing a lot of problem over here. You have to fly the plane back. And he's like, he's like, I'm not flying on the Sabbath. And the union representative is like, he's like, if you don't fly, there's going to be consequences, severe consequences. And he says, you know, God will understand. You have a family to support. Just fly the plane back on Sabbath. And he refused. And he said that, you know, he, he, when he refused the final time, he received something called a work order. A work order is, is commonly known that if you refuse a work order, then usually the outcome is you get fired. So Captain Stein, you know, when he got this work order, he remembered the last time he received this work, such an order, a work order was his second year in, uh, in the job, you know, 30, 33 years ago. He had his, you know, he was becoming more religious and he wasn't that strong and he had this work order. And the work order was that he had to fly on Shabbos. He had to fly on the Sabbath. And he, you know, he wasn't so strong in his observant and he flew. He flew on the Shabbos. He flew on Shabbos and he felt very guilty afterwards. A few years after that, 
he was attending a class on the Sarasim Chuva on the Ten Days of Repentance between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and the rabbi was was teaching from the Rambam, from Maimonides, from the Hilchot Chuva, and he said that in order for someone to do complete Chuva, complete repentance, they have to be in the same situation, in the same scenario, with the same evil inclination, and they overcome it this time. Meaning that you got tested again in the same test, and you overcame it. And now he recalls, this pops into his mind, he says, you know, 33 years go by, and he says, now I have the opportunity, the ability to go and pass through the test that I, I, that I messed out, that I messed up 33 years ago. So he says, this is such an opportunity. He calls his wife, and he says, listen, he says, it's very likely I'm about to lose my job. And it's very likely that we're going to have to sell our home. And it's very likely. And he goes and he says, but under no circumstances am I flying on the Shabbos. It's like, I'm not flying, you know, on it. And, you know, the wife, Aisha's child that she was, she, she agreed. And um, he took the next flight home and to Belgium as a passenger. And he kept Shabbos with his family the way that it's supposed to be kept in his house without, you know, without any desecration. And the following week, he thought that his... Um, his schedule for the flights that he had for the coming weeks will be taken from him, but uh, nobody said anything, and he was still on schedule to fly. So he continued flying as usual. He thought he was going to be fired. He thought he was done, but he continued flying. Several weeks go by, and his supervisor calls him up and he says, listen, he says, we have an assignment for you, and this is going to pay you very, very nicely. He says, we have a five-day trip to Australia. We'll pay you $5,000 a day. You'll stay in a five-star, you know, hotel accommodations. You'll get eat what you know, order whatever you want to eat. Everything is on us. Are you interested? He's interested. He's like, this is a dream offer. He's like, are you kidding me? It's like more than double what he would have made, you know, regularly. He says, of course. And um, uh, he says he's thinking. He's like, okay, here's my reward for keeping Shabbos and you know, trying to go and and make sure that I don't violate and desecrate Shabbos. He was so proud of himself. And he said, fine, we'll send you the schedule. They send him the schedule. And uh, the plane leaves on a Saturday, Saturday evening, Shabbos evening. And he calls him back and he says, I'm sorry. I said, I didn't realize it was a weekend. You know, the flight is leaving on the weekend. Um, he says, I, I can't I can't fly on the Sabbath. He says, if you make the flight a little bit later, I'll be able to take it. But like, I, I can't fly on the Sabbath. And they're all like, no, we, we can't postpone the flight. You know, we're not changing the flight schedule. Okay, you want it or not? And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I can't take it. So is that fine? They found they found a different pilot. The following week, he gets a, a, a phone call from a different supervisor, to a similar offer going to Paris, and he first asked says when when is he leaving, and it turns out it's leaving again on Shabbos. So again, he declined on that. A short while later, there was a very high ranking individual from the airline contact uh, this captain, and he says, you know, we want to apologize. Uh, for pressuring you that one time that we, you know, to fly back from Belgium. He says, you know, he goes in and says that I send one supervisor with an assignment to you, and that was to test you, to see if you're going to fly to Australia with so much money. He says, and you, and you passed it, you know, you didn't take it. I then send you somebody else to test you, to see if you're really true, or you're just trying to, like, get out of the flight with Paris. And I saw that you refused to fly with such a significant increase of pay, I realized that you're for real. And we want to apologize for you. And don't worry, you're never going to have to, uh, you know, fly. We're never going to, we're never going to force you to fly anymore on, you know, on the Sabbath, on the Shabbos. And you, you know, like all these, all these things, all they were, they were just tests. And that's what life is. Life is, is just one test after another. 
of course we have amazing you know opportunities for growth and to do other things but but the essence of what we're here for is is that we get tested and we have these these different tests we have the ability to overcome we have the ability to grow higher and higher and if we look at life in that manner if we look at life in that way we have the ability to overcome our difficulties and when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us something that maybe is not to our liking, maybe not to our desire, maybe not to our you know, standing of where we want to, we're able to say, you know what HaKadosh Baruch Hu, but thank you. Thank you. During difficult times, it's very, very hard to internalize HaKadosh Baruch Hu's loving kindness. And, and very often, you know, it's a common question is we ask why. Why do we have to do that? But really we have to realize that this is an opportunity. HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us an opportunity. You know, the Sefer Kiyatai Madi goes and brings down, David Asher brings this down also, it says that, that in Shemayim, the goodness is recognized by everyone. You know, all the angels, all the Malachim, the Serafim, the Fani HaKadosh, everybody realizes the greatness and the goodness that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has. But down here, we're living in darkness. And we don't see people go through abuse, people go through difficulties, people go through financial difficulties, shalom bias, not being able to have kids or having kids with difficulties or health issues. The issues don't end. There's issues and issues and issues. And we're living in darkness. And it's very, very hard to us to see how is this good? How is this good? And the power that we have, the power that we have is a power that even the angels do not have. If we're able to go in the darkness and say, thank you Hashem for the difficulties, that is something that the angels can never ever reach. There was once a man that a Balatanya came to the Balatanya and he said he was, he had a very difficult time. He had a very, a lot of, uh, you know, life, you know, delivered him some, some, some bitter tasting medicine. And the, the Rebbe goes over to him and he says, you know, that the angels in heaven would do anything to come down here and experience the problems that you have just so that they could sing to Hashem amid these problems. In, in heaven, everything looks good. So it's easy. It's easy to say thank you, Hashem. But here, here, when it's difficult, that is worth so much more than they could ever, they could ever achieve. And the Balatanya goes and he says, my dear student, he says, you have an opportunity right now. Don't sell it for anything. Our greatest manifestation of gratitude that we could have to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, to God, is when we're still in the darkness. Before the salvation has arrived, that is the greatest manifestation of, of gratitude that we're able to have. There was a man from Eretz Yisrael who unfortunately experienced a tragedy. He had a three-year-old child that was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And they went from doctor to doctor, uh, you know, like uh, they went through all the ups and downs. Sometimes they thought that she was going to survive. But ultimately, unfortunately, she returned her neshama to her maker, to God. And this man was, you know, remained very strong throughout the entire ordeal. And one of his friends asked him, he says, you know, how did you do it? And the man goes and he says, you know, like these months were the most difficult months of my entire life. And he goes and he says, there was, he says, I remember it so vividly. He says, there was one night that the doctors came over to him and they told him that there's nothing left to do for their, for his child. And he said, I broke down. He says, I left the hospital and I was walking in the street in tears. I was just walking and crying. And a fellow Jew came over to me and he says, you know, what's going on? What's wrong? You know, like, I was so broken. I, I told him the whole story. So he said, he wanted to share with me a story that he just heard. He said there was a great rabbi that was, you know, that lived during, you know, these days in our times. And he would spend his day just like doing kirov, bringing other people closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And then, unfortunately, his very own son veered off the path, went off the derech. And all the successful tactics that he used with others did not work on his son. He tried everything, but his son, unfortunately, went off the derech. The rabbi is so broken, he spent hours and hours every day for months on end praying and crying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to bring his son back. The Siddur, the part of Hashivenu, is full of tears, it was full of smudges because he cried and cried to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he should bring his son back. And his prayers worked. Slowly, slowly, the boy came back to the right path. And when it came time to, for him to get married, he ended up marrying a Baal Shuva. And today he's living a life of Torah mitzvahs. And the story goes on, it says, the guy goes on, it says that these uh, Baal Shuvas, when they had the third child, the doctors told them that there was something very, very wrong with the baby. And they cried, and they prayed, and they davened to Hashem. But unfortunately, on the seventh day of that baby's life, the baby passed away. And the halacha goes and says that if the baby... Has the, if the baby is able to come back in Tchiasamesa, the baby needs to have a brismila. And the baby also has to be given a name. So they arrange for, for this baby to have a brismila. And the mohel goes over to the father and he says, you know, what is the name that you want to call this baby? And the father looks at this mohel and he bursts out into crying. He says, a name? He says, you want me to give him a name? Like, and he couldn't understand the question. You know, he couldn't fathom it, but he was, he was silent for two minutes, the father. And what are you know, all sitting over there waiting? And the father looks at them all and he says, You know, I want to call him Ritzon Hashem, the will of God. And he goes on and he says, I don't understand this. I don't understand why God did this. Uh, you know, but if Hashem did, did this, then this is what Hashem wants. And I want this child to be named the will of Hashem, Ritzon Hashem. And this man from, you know, from Israel who, who lost his three-year-old, he says, this is, the, this is the story that this man told me in the streets after I was walking out of the hospital. And he goes and says, this story gave me the chizah, gave me the power that every time I was feeling depressed and every time I was feeling down and every time I was feeling, you know, my, my situation was so bad, I remembered that story and I realized this is the Ritzon Hashem. This is the will of God that I have to be here right now. And you know what? If this is the will of God, then I accept it. We don't always get what we want or what we hope for. We pray and we would like to get everything. But we can always take the chizak, we can always take that power to realize that we're doing the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when we do, when we go with this, with this mindset, we have the ability to break down so many barriers, so many walls, so many things we can break down. We can achieve so much salvation because this is so, so powerful. There was a, uh, a rabbi by the name of Rabbi Yisrael, Rabbi Yisrael Chaim Weinstein. When he was, uh, um, he was liberated from the Holocaust, he lost his entire family. And he was in the hospital bed, all 60 pounds of him. And he didn't have enough strength to speak. And he was like, he was like, he was like you know, like, what am I here for? Like, why do I need life? My entire family is in Shemayim. He's like, why am I stuck here in this pain? Let me just go up there. Shortly afterwards, he receives a safer. And the safer is from a letter from the Vilna Gaon. And the letter goes and says that the Vilna Gaon writes that for every moment a person is able to hold himself back from saying the wrong things, he will merit rewards that even the angels cannot fathom. And he started thinking to himself, he says, you know what? He says, you know, like, what could I, how could I serve God at this point? You know, 60 pounds, you know, sick in the bed, you know, just got liberated from the Holocaust. What could he do already? He says, you know what? I could serve Hashem by not talking, by not saying anything negative. You know, many of us, maybe we're not on the full level of thanking God for the bad, but at least we could, we could go on a level of not complaining. 
of just being quiet. That also, says the Vilna Gohan, has tremendous amount of power. When there was a story that, that well, we're almost finishing, I'm wrapping it up. I want to finish with one final idea, one final thought. There was a person by the name of Yaakov, and he was from Eretz Yisrael, and he was in shul one night, and he was listening to a class by a rabbi. And the rabbi was speaking about the parsha and parshas vayishlach. And the pasuk goes over there in Bereshit chapter thirty-two, verse thirteen. It says, "Hated I will surely do good with you." And the rabbi was reading from a sefer, and the sefer goes and says that when a person, when a person lives with a muna, and he constantly thanks Hashem for everything that happens in their life, even when they experience difficulties, then Hakadosh Baruch Hu will reveal His mercy and show him the the good. And this Yaakov heard this, and, and it made an impression on him. He was going through many issues in his life, and he wasn't in the habit of thanking God. You know, unfortunately, some people are not in the habit of thanking God. And one of his most biggest issues was that he had two boys, two sons, that were not married yet. So after hearing the share, this Yaakov decided that he's going to change his mindset. He goes over to his wife and he tells his wife what he heard in the share, what he learned in the share, and he says, you know, we're not so, we, we complain too much. So we don't appreciate all the gifts that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us. Let us change our attitude and let us spend a time every single day thinking about how much good HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us. And that's what they did. They didn't just say it, they spent time contemplating and thinking about how amazing HaKadosh Baruch Hu is and how much good HaKadosh Baruch Hu has given us. Within a few months, both their sons were engaged. And after his sons got engaged, you know, this, this Yaakov, he felt so much Akar Satov. He went over to the rabbi and he says, you know, like, I want to thank you, rabbi. He says, because of the class that you gave a few months ago, my kid, you know, like my whole mindset changed. And I know that was the school of, that was the merit that is able to my kids to be able to go and, and to, uh, you know, to get engaged. And the rabbi is like, what class are you talking about? And he's like, oh, he's talking about the past from the And he goes and he starts telling you about being grateful. And the rabbi has like no recollection about like this class. And late, you know, like, as, as Yaakov was explained to him, the rabbi realized, he's like, oh, you know, like, he, he literally read from the Sefer. He didn't even take the words to heart. It was just like, you know, he was learning the Sefer. You know, like, sometimes we listen to a class and we're learning a Sefer, but like, we don't internalize the message. We, we learn it, but like, we don't internalize it. So the rabbi, you know, with all honesty, he's like, you know, like, I said it, but I never internalized it. After Yaakov left, he says, you know what? He started to think, he says, like, maybe I should internalize his message. And recently, he was going through something difficult. He he went through the to the hospital recently for an ear problem. He had he had this ear, his hearing deteriorated uh, recently, and you know he went to you know doctor. You know they couldn't really figure out what what the right thing was, and he decided you know what like let me take this into my own. Let me let me thank God for this. Let me let me let me utilize the lesson that I taught to, you know from my from my own self. And he started working on himself. Within a few days, a few days, the hospital calls him back and he says, you know, another doctor reviewed and they found a certain procedure that they they think will work. And it turns out the procedure worked and he was able to get his hearing back. You know, like, how many times do we hear something that that we just don't internalize? And I have to tell you, this story really resonated with me because... It happened to myself, like so many times, like I have to, let's say, especially when I'm doing series and I don't give a class for a long time in the series because there's holidays or whatever, there's different classes that go in between. I need to remember what I spoke about before to be able to like continue it in more of a continuation, you know, fashion that I would like to. So I have to listen to a previous, to a previous class that I myself, you know, gave and as I'm listening to it, I'm like, wow, this is like, you know, the, the ideas are amazing, like, like, 
maybe I thought about it back then, but like I forgot about it. I wasn't doing it back now. And I sort of like get inspired by the, my own classes that I gave, you know, you know, a few weeks ago. And I'm like, okay, well, let me change myself also. But like how many times in our lives do we hear ideas and it doesn't, you know, like it, we kind of forget about it and we need these constant reminders. And this is why I feel like whenever we're dealing about certain topics, it's not enough about just to know the information. Topics like Amuna, topics like gratitude, topics like character trait building, different topics, you, it has to be implanted in you. It's something that you have to learn every single day. Like I can't tell you, like when I prepare for classes for Amuna, my Amuna changes of that day. Like, you know, like, and trust me, I went through so many sfarim on this, on this Amuna. The, the knowledge, Baruch Hashem, the knowledge on Amuna, you know, like, like, I've gathered that knowledge. But every day that I learn it, every, even if it's a review, it changes my perception. It changes my mindset. It changes my, my, my thought process. That's why these types of classes, there's no end to it. There's like, it's a, it's a constant work that needs to be done. And the, 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 ideas that come into it has to be constantly reminded and constantly worked on and constantly reviewed. So as we look at this important topic and as we close this topic of ungratefulness and turning it into gratitude, I want to just do one quick review of the power of being grateful in the difficulties and what it could achieve and what we should strive for. And again, we strive for that by working on being grateful for the good things and the easy things. But of course, we, at the same point in time, for the difficult things, let us be thankful to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when we have that, we realize that there's nine blessings that come to it. Number one, it will save a person from their current problems. Number two, it will protect them from other problems. Even if we stop what we hear, that's already a win-win situation. But it goes on. There's number three, you'll cleanse yourself from all your sins. Number four, it brings them you and your family blessings Blahod. who doesn't want blessings on their family number five it's a longer it brings you a longer life number six it will help you with your Torah learning number seven it will bring not only salvation to you but it will bring salvation to the entire world number eight you'll receive credit for fulfilling not one but two positive commandments and number nine the Parnassah will be doubled may HaKadosh Baruch Hu help us that we be able to internalize these messages these lessons and be able to really be grateful for everything that HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends our ways whether it's good or or it's bad. But in the merit of this, may HaKadosh Baruch only send us good and we shouldn't have to deal with any of the bad because we'll have this gratitude and will prevent us from any other issues that need to send our way. Let us open up for some questions. Okay, we have here some comments over here. I'm going to go through it. Uh, Tehillim 12.3, they speak vanity. Everyone knows about the Lord. Okay, this is just, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm assuming that's just something I was mentioning beforehand. When you okay, next here we go. When you point your finger at somebody else, remember that there are three fingers pointing back at you. Ooh, I like that. Yeah, <laughs> when you point at somebody else, and the truth is, is there's two fingers pointed at that person and three fingers, so it's still two against three. But I like that. That's a great. That's a great line. Um, there is no suffering without one sins. But what's the line between that and avoid manipulation? Okay, so even though there's no suffering with one sins, we have to realize that sometimes when we're dealing with difficulties, sometimes those suffering can come not only to, to cleanse one from sin, but also to propel one forward in their spiritual growth. And, and I spoke about this in... Uh, how to, um, 
maybe it was the class of why bad things happen to good people, if, if my memory serves me correctly. But the idea is that sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the, the Chavos of Lovos brings us down. Um, and the, the, sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends suffering upon a person, not only to cleanse their sins, but also to, to see how they will react as part of a test. And that will also go and help that person propel forward in, in, in their spiritual growth. So it's not always, always strictly about sin, but, but many times, yeah. Uh, okay, does accepting Hashem's will but praying for the painful thing to go away contradict each other? So absolutely not. Excellent question. If somebody goes and let's say you say, okay, listen, you put me in this situation, so now I accept it. But now I'm going and I'm crying to Agadis Baruch Hu, I'm praying to Agadis Baruch Hu, please remove me from this thing. So it's like kind of contradicting. At one point I'm saying thank you for it, and at another point I'm saying, you know, please take it away. So what are you? Are you grateful for it? Are you, are, do you want it or do you not want it? So when we're, and, and this is the fine line of the thought process that we have to think about. When we're saying thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, we're not saying thank you HaKadosh Baruch Hu because I want the difficulties. We're saying thank you to HaKadosh Baruch Hu because HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you want me to be over here. So thank you, I know it's for my best. But what happens is when I daven, when I pray, is now I'm on a different level. I'm on a different level and I'm on a higher level right now. Before I was on a level over here, now I'm level over here. That's why when someone, let's say for example, does tshuva, they have, when they do real tshuva, they're a different person to the point that the Ram says you could even change your name. They're not the same person anymore. So what happens is over here that when you go, when you pray, you're not changing God's will. You're not changing God's will, you're changing you. And when you change you, so now you're not longer, no longer the person beforehand. So if you're not longer the person before, the person beforehand was going through the difficulties, but now you're a new person. So now you're a new person, now you go, and now you don't need to get that difficulties. But it is a, this, this kind of like, this dichotomy that we have to, this, this balance that we have to realize that at the one point we say, okay, Baruch Hu, you put me in this situation, I don't know why it is, and I thank you for it, and I appreciate it. I know it's for my best. But at the same point in time, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please, it's difficult for me. I appreciate it. I love you. I thank you. But please let it go away. That's not a contradiction because of the different angles that we're looking. We're not, think, we're not, we're not, we don't want the suffering. We can appreciate the suffering. So there's a, there's a difference in that. Um, but again, this is something that, B'zat Hashem, I would like to speak at length uh, when we speak about uh, prayer classes. You know, Hashem should help me that I should be able to go and complete that uh, that preparation and, and start that series. Are still able... Next question. Are still... By the way, if any questions I didn't answer to your liking, please feel free to, to keep on bugging, asking, you know, differently or just ask me to elaborate more. Our, our next question. Are still able to reap the benefits? And if yes, to the same extent of accepting the difficulties with love. If you are not actively in that state anymore. For example, if you are crying, but you couldn't bring yourself to accepting it with love at that moment, can you accept it with love and praise Hashem a few days later when you're not in that active emotional state? Yes. Thank you very much. And you know what? It's, what's interesting? Like, this was something that I, I intended as speaking about it. It completely slipped my, my radar. So, many times we go through a test and uh, initially we react negatively. Like, oh my gosh. But like, Sometimes later we could like compose ourselves and be like, you know what, wait a minute, this is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, this is from Hashem, let me, like, let me, let me, let me, let me do this from the right, in the right mindset. 
and we sort of compose ourselves like 30 minutes after the test. So there's still partial credit in that test and we still gain something over there. Of course, we should try to aim to have it initially, but sometimes it's our emotions kick in and it's not our mindset. So sometimes we go in without even like the ability to think and and it goes in in sort of autopilot. But the quicker that we're able to catch ourselves and the quicker that we're able to to realize that it's from HaKadosh Baruch and realize that we're going to be thankful and the, the, the more, let's call it higher grade that we get on that on that score on that test. Okay. Oh, we had here another another last question that came in. How could God punish us in order for us to call out to Him? Um, so again, I'm not fully understanding the question. Um, God doesn't punish us to call out to Him. It, the, the, again, the punishment is is a is a bad is a is a is a wrong terminology. It's like somebody gets punished to go to prison because they did something wrong. You, that, does, that, that doesn't work that way in the spiritual realm. You get cleansed, but. If you're saying difficulty, sometimes Hashem sends us difficulty to call out to Him because sometimes we, you know, tend to forget. And this, the simple example that uh, I could I could tell you is from, uh, uh, you know, there was a guy who was stuck on the on the roof and he wanted to um, he wanted to get out of there and he couldn't get out. And uh, so he started throwing dollar bills off the off the roof and people saw the dollar bills and they started just like kept on just taking everything that they could like you know like started grabbing it and he was just like screaming on the roof and he says come come get me come you know come bring me up but no one was interesting everyone was picking up all the money that he threw from his wallet and he saw people who weren't interesting people weren't looking at him that he ended up taking there was a rock nearby and he started throwing down rocks and all of a sudden people throwing down rocks they started looking up at him and be like wait wait who's it coming from who's it throwing it when money is coming down no one's looking up i'll just take that when good things happen in our life we just take we take 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 we enjoy that but when difficulty comes, we say, wait a minute, why do I have difficulty? Why are the rats coming from? That's when we start looking up. So when sometimes HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us difficulty, sometimes we don't, uh, we forget about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We forget that we have a Father in Heaven. We forget that we have obligations in this world. And HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends us little reminders that we go and look up. Some people, when HaKadosh Baruch Hu sends them down money, sends them down floating dollar bills, they look up and be like, thank you HaKadosh Baruch Hu. They realize there's HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But some people forget and they just take, 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 and they forget about, uh, you know, to, you know, to look up. So that's why sometimes there's difficulty that uh, comes to it. Okay, that was the final question. Thank you all for joining. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.